Truth is relative. All truths are equal. Yet some truths are more equal than others. Congratulations. You found the right truths. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And for your daily dose of fact, here's Dan Newman. Let me give you a fact that I'm dealing with already today. A brand new week. Yeah, second half of the month of May. And we have equipment issues in the studio. Isn't it amazing? What will go wrong does go wrong. <laughs> so let me tell you what we're going to do. I'm not even going to ask your permission. I'm just going to do this. Normally, we, went to, we finish every show with a song. And I pick the songs. I'm going to start the show today with a song. It's going to wake you up. It's going to tell you the story of what's going to happen today. And we're going to start the day together. This is Andre Crouch, good friend of mine, passed away several years ago, multiple Grammy Award winner, and he hit the nail on the head. Just kind of tap your toe. We're going to enjoy this together for a couple of minutes. Early in the morning. Proverbs uh, 3 and 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Go on like this. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. I need that today, Lord. Be so to me 
thing to do to start your day than just having a talk with God. I mean, come on now, we can do that. It's a brand new week, a new day for you. I don't think so. Hey, just be glad there's a God out there that gives a rip about all the stuff you're going through, even when studio equipment malfunctions. Yeah, God cares about all the little things. And so we're going to start maybe every other day or so, maybe a couple of days a week. We may start, we'll find an inspirational song to start the show, and we're going to share that with you because we owe it to each other to get our day started on the right foot, right? Hey, listen, I got to tell you, the world is full of chaos right now today. I Just when you think it couldn't get worse, it gets worse. And I'm not talking about the United States being in a war. I'm not even talking about the Ukraine-Russian thing going on. I'm not worried about China today. And what are they going to do? Are they going to make an invasion of Taiwan, just take over Taiwan? What about North Korea, Kim Jong-un? We haven't heard much about him yesterday other than he's pushing the missile button to fire some of these ICBM test rockets to scare everybody on the planet to death. There's a lot of things to worry about. But let me tell you what we need to do. We need to just stop looking outside of our borders for just a little bit and maybe get into some possible problems that are happening right here in our nation. Let me let me just address this one thing to get this show started today. If you're a parent of a young girl or a young boy that integrates into groups of other young girls or boys, guess what our president is doing for our babies? He's about to alter their lives forever, not Congress not your state legislature, not you. President Joe Biden unilaterally is about to do something that will knock your socks off. If you've had concerns about your babies, young girls being stuck in restroom situations at schools that allow those biological boys who self-identify as girls to share your girl's restroom, if that bothers you, get set, it's going to get worse. What happened to those two young girls in Loudoun County, Virginia, two different public schools? It's about to sweep across the nation. What am I talking about? Two different girls at two different schools were each sexually assaulted by the same boy. He identified as a girl. 
He dressed as a girl. Biologically, he was a boy. He assaulted girls as a boy. And thank God it was finally stopped. And if Biden has his way, schools at every level in every state will be bound to operate with those same horrific circumstances and even more, 24-7, year-round. What's going on? Well, Joe Biden's Department of Education, they're about to roll out a brand new Title IX rule. It's going to expand the definition of sex to include gender identity, which experts say is going to have legal and cultural implications for all aspects of American education. So the OCR, that's the Office of Civil Rights, is planning to take an unprecedented step to expand the definition of sex to include gender identity under Title IX of the 1972 Education Amendments, a key civil rights law that ensures no person is discriminated against under any federal education program or activity based on their sex. The rule change will require every sex-separated space, every program, every building, every bathroom, locker room, to accommodate individuals, quote, who may feel as though they are women, even though biologically they are men. That's according to Sarah Perry, who's a senior legal fellow for the Heritage Foundation. What we saw with Leah Thomas at the NCAA championships, swim championships, will now be happening at schools and colleges across the country. If those schools get $1 of federal funding from the Department of Education, this entity, Office of Civil Rights, they have already indicated it will enforce Title IX to include discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. And what it says, that's consistent with the 2020 Supreme Court case, Bostick versus Clayton County, Georgia, which extended workplace sexual harassment and discrimination protections to LGBTQ employees. The Biden administration uses the Bostick ruling as a basis for all other modifications of civil rights law. Although the decision specifically noted the Supreme Court did not purport to address bathrooms, locker rooms, or anything else of the kind, but how could they not include those locations if they intend to honor this so-called extension of Title IX? For decades, the High Court has relied on immutability. you got to remember that word, immutability. It encompasses characteristics like race, national origin, and sex. But now the Biden administration is attempting to shoehorn an expansive definition of sex into Title IX, which was explicitly drafted to protect biological women and girls, giving them all the rights that men already have. You remember that? Title IX came along and everybody went crazy. Oh my gosh, we've got a fun public schools, athletic events and organizations and every other organization, it's got to be structured so women are treated equal as men. And they're taking it. Joe's taking it. 
to another level beyond what we ever thought, what the, the framers of Title IX even thought it could ever be. What this does is ultimately open up what has been longstanding, successful application of federal civil rights law to individuals who happen to feel like a woman or feel like a man at any given time or any given space. We've never before in American civil rights law offered federal legal protections for an individual based on how they feel subjectively and internally, not by facts. Just how do you feel today? Do you want to wear a dress? you want to wear a pair of pants? Once gender, which is not an immutable characteristic, becomes a protected class the same as race, you're running up against the freedom of individuals to say, I don't agree that you are a woman if you were born a biological male. That's according to Jonathan Butcher, an education fellow at the Heritage Foundation. If you express that opinion, you're going to be violating federal law. Perry described the rule change. He called it an unprecedented and illegal expansion of the law that will implicate free speech by forcing individuals and institutions too to provide biological men who identify as female with access to women's restrooms, sports teams, and schools. By expanding civil rights law, here's what Joe Biden is doing. Now, this is all on his orders. He is muzzling individuals who believe sex is immutable and biological. It shuts those people up utterly silencing dissent in the education context. Max Eden is a research fellow for the American Enterprise Institute. He said officials in the Biden administration aim to change culture, not just discriminatory treatment. Under these new rules, any student will now be able to level an accusation of gender discrimination against their school. That will force institutions to become gender-affirming. And this opens up all kinds of conflicts with state law. States have enacted legislation that bar biologically male students from competing in women's sports, restricts doctors' ability to provide transition services to minors, and prohibits specific discussion of sexual orientation and gender identity in elementary classrooms. That's what the state laws have been passed to do. So this state conflicting legislation, it's going to set up a battle royale in the federal court system. Everybody's going to be running to federal court to test whether the regulation of a federal agency is more potent than a democratically passed and enacted state law. A coalition of 15 Republican-led states, they've already signaled they're going to take legal action if the OCR's rewritten rules conflict with existing state law. So just for a moment, suppose the Biden administration does formally achieve its Title IX goals. If that happens, in that case it begs the question whether or not they will go beyond the issues of bathrooms and sports teams and get to the real crux of the issue of coercing public schools 
to teach and operate that this ideology is true. 27 parents' rights organizations that claim to represent about 400,000 members across the country. A few weeks ago, they sent a letter to Education Secretary Miguel Cardona urging him to heed their concerns about these changes. Many agreed that those alterations could threaten students' safety. We represent parents, grandparents, and concerned citizens across the country who are worried that the forthcoming rule changes are a politicized effort to placate activists. That's what these organizations spearheaded by Parents Defending Education wrote to Cardona last Tuesday. The sweeping changes to Title IX that you are reportedly set to announce would erode the rights that protect all students, regardless of sex, and ensure a safe and equitable learning environment. Several of the signatories on that letter, they expanded. We see that this idea of identifying students in general by identity than by biological is concerning to us. That's from Moms for Liberty co-founder Tiffany Justice. We're seeing sexual harassment claims or harassment claims as language is violence being used by students who accidentally misgender a child in the classroom. Sometimes genders are fluid. In instances where a child was being told to kill themselves and being bullied by a group of students changing their uh, gender every day, the school was looking at harassment violations or harassment claims against that child, which was not the case. These are 11-year-old children. We don't see any reason why it needs to be changed, she said. We think it is the erasure of women in general. And as mothers, we are women, adult human females. We are not birthing people. We want to protect women's rights, she said. We believe the Biden administration is blurring and in effect erasing women in a lot of different ways. Alicia Brand, Army of Parents president and co-founder, She said the main reason that her group signed on to the letter was to safeguard female students. Title IX under Obama and now Biden is being twisted and used as a weapon against girls and women that Title IX was supposed to protect us. And we will suffer the most, particularly our girls in sports. We don't want this to be weaponized under Biden while his executive order doesn't carry the full weight of the law as Trump's did. She said, it is still very dangerous because it gives the Department of Education the ability to bring lawsuits against schools. And in that way, they have to comply because they can't lose the money. So the people that will be suffering are the girls and the women. The 1972 Congress likely had no idea that Title IX would be manipulated to expand from just sex to gender identity, from just biological sex to gender identity. Local father, a guy named Benjamin Orr, he credited the original title nine language with opening opportunities for his kids, especially his daughter. He said those opportunities were available in athletics in the form of academic scholarships. When you look at Title IX, 
It ensures that there's equity between the sexes for anything related to educational purposes, whether that's resources, scholarships, or athletics, of course. And when you change this rule to make it about gender identity, which really can't even be defined, it opens the door for potential abuse and changes. This is kind of that tipping point that just kind of opens the floodgates to further interpretation, further understanding. And it's a gray area. There's no black, there's no white perspective here on right versus wrong. Ashley Jacobs, executive director and co-founder of Parents Unite, another signatory to the letter, also suggested that the reforms would negatively impact restroom safety and athletics. And it's an issue because it has everything to do with bathrooms and dorms and sports teams, she added. Athletics. We can go into that, too. Suppose you're a lacrosse goalie, for example, on a girls' team, and a person who identifies as a girl and is going against you in lacrosse, and she, he, is a biological male, which is a pretty brutal sport to begin with, I think there are physical differences. We've acknowledged that, but it's complicated. And so we just felt that in K through 12, this is such a complicated issue and we're making it harder, I think, to let schools do what's best for them, for their students. And we're making it harder for parents to do what's best for their kids. Let me ask you this. Can you believe that any federal government official any state government official, any public educator, coach, teacher, or administrator could not see the dangers that will sweep across America, destroying the lives of millions of these young Americans at the most fragile point in their maturity? How on God's green earth could the President of the United States push this through? especially in light of his documented cries against sexual incursions of young kids while his own kids were growing up. And it's all documented. Is he so senile he cannot recall how protective he was when his children were adolescents? Or does he even care? You want a solution? An executive order penned by this or any other president does not have the weight of the law. The United States Congress must immediately pass legislation that prohibits these actions that the sex-crazed left is already pushing on our kids. Congress, not the president, Congress needs to rewrite the language of Title IX to clarify its intent and to guarantee that sexual predators do not have access to our children. So here's what I urge you to do today, quickly. Forward a copy of the story to your mayor, to your House and Senate state legislators from your district, your two U.S. senators, and your representative in the U.S. House of Representatives. Call them all. Be diligent and accept nothing but an actual telephone conversation about this with each of these representatives. Don't let their staff members talk you down. And when you do speak to them or their staff members, be kind, be cordial, and appreciative for their assistance. 
In closing, think about those two girls in Virginia who were sexually assaulted, not for doing anything wrong that might have attracted that boy wearing a dress. They were in girls' bathrooms, minding their own business, using the bathroom. Those two girls will never be able to erase those assaults from their minds. And by the way, what I'm about to tell you will just toast you. The Loudoun County School Board, where those two schools are, they did not report either assault to local law enforcement officials. And that is required of law. If we do not step up and support our young children in every way, they'll be subjected again and again to the evils that we thought we were protecting them from. Make sure each of your children and your grandchildren knows what to do when something like this happens to them. One more thing. We're in an election cycle now, officially. We have the midterms coming up in November. Primaries are being handled right now. Know where every person running for office for which you can ever vote, local, state, national, every person running for office for those jobs makes it clear, every one of them, exactly where they stand on this issue. And vote appropriately based upon their beliefs. Don't let them talk you off the ledge. Our kids are on the ledge, folks. We got to protect the kids. Wow. I couldn't believe this. I just could not believe this. There's other stuff the Bidens have in their sights for the near term. I'm not even talking about a second two years of the Biden administration. This week, we're going to get into several of those. You better buckle down because this guy, he's gone absolutely stark raving crazy and is hell-bent to become the first authoritarian president in United States history. His old boss wanted to be number one, but he couldn't get it done. But Joe Biden, he's licking his chops and he sees what it's like when one person controls it all. I've got the pen. I can issue an executive order. Screw the United States Congress. You know, the representatives of the people. I know what's best. And we're going to do it without Congress. We may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn-out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts by two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply, see store for details. O'Reilly, oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
dinner, dinner, dinner. Every day you have to think of what's for dinner. Well, now Subway has a solution that is sure to please every person you have to feed for that last meal of the day. It's called Dinner Tonight. Every day after 4 p.m., Subway is offering a Dinner Tonight special, which includes two regular six-inch subs, two bags of chips, and two 21-ounce fountain drinks, all for just $11.99. This offer is available all day long on Sundays. Subway of Kodiak. Eat fresh. Drinking water is essential to your health. That's why you need to drink plenty of water to keep you hydrated throughout the day. Unlike power drinks or soft drinks, water is truly the only drink that can quench your thirst. It's an easy, refreshing way to keep your body healthy and strong. Freshen up today with a brisk, cool bottle of water. So let me blow your mind it a little bit uh, tougher to process that first part of the show today. Listen to this. A licensed child psychologist from New York University Lagone Health, an academic medical center in New York City, is facing scrutiny over a TikTok video that shows her arguing that children aren't too young to learn about sex-related matters. And here's her contention. Unborn babies masturbate. I'm not joking. Shared to Twitter by Libs of TikTok. The TikTok video of Dr. Samantha Busa has drawn massive attention because critics say it's extremely inappropriate, it's pseudoscientific, and it debunks the left-wing talking point that an unborn baby is just a lifeless fetus. The video starts with Busa posing a question to her audience. And I'm going to quote her question. A question I'm often asked, she said, or people around the dinner table will say to me, kids are too young for a gender identity and sexual orientation, aren't they? So I want to ask all of you, what do you think comes first from a developmental standpoint? Gender identity, sexual behavior, or sexual orientation, she says. And then she quickly conducts an online poll, after which she discusses the results. And here are the results. So the vast majority of people say gender identity. I asked this question on purpose because it's a bit of a stumper. For those of you who have answered sexual behavior, you are correct. Busa, who is a licensed child psychologist, said that. We actually know that sexual behavior is the first thing to develop for youth. We know that. And this is in some ways where people get tripped up. We're considering self-pleasure, masturbation, as part of self-behavior here. We know that in utero, we see children playing with their genitals because it feels good. It's exciting. Let me repeat that. We know that in utero, we see children playing with their genitals because it feels good. It's exciting. A child psychologist 
apparently has had in-depth conversations with in-utero fetuses that have told her, hey, I play with my genitals because it feels good. It's exciting even though I hadn't been born yet. This illustrates the insanity of this group of hard left sexually perverted sycophants are trying to take over three generations of American children by cramming this crap down their throats. I just, when I first saw this over the weekend, I thought it was horrible. Repeating it now, I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. It's nauseating. And can you believe this? Yeah, you can believe this. We're finding out now this crap has been going on in schools for years. When our kids got on the school bus or we dropped them off at school, you know, we remembered back when we were kids and it was a cool thing every once in a while to bring the homeroom teacher a present or an apple or a soft drink or whatever from mom at home. That was a big deal. All the time, all the while, these people were putting this whole process together. And there are thousands of them, maybe even hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions, who subscribe to this. And they're doing this and worse and have been in public schools especially. And we didn't even know about it. I got to leave this. I just got to leave that there. Be careful, folks. Be careful with your kids. And then we have this insanity that's playing out across the nation. Violence everywhere. A bloody weekend in Milwaukee. The mayor in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, issues curfews for people under 21 after three people were killed, 25 others were injured, and nine shootings across the city of Milwaukee. And that happened outside of Milwaukee Bucks playoff game, NBA playoff game. The mayor there has implemented a curfew for anybody under the age of 21. After three were killed, 24 others injured. Mayor Cavalier Johnson announced the curfew on Saturday, hours after a mass shooting left 17 people injured following the Milwaukee Bucks playoff game against the Boston Celtics. The curfew is going to stay in effect from 11 p.m. to 5.30, Saturdays and Sunday. Officers in the area are going to target any teenagers who are loitering or otherwise acting unlawful with citations. The mayor said he's not ruling out calling in the Wisconsin National Guard and is in continual conversation with Governor Tony Evers. We will not tolerate these types of actions in Milwaukee, he said, adding that people have just too easy access to guns. There you go. (laughs) It's never the people who pick up guns and shoot other people with it. It's the guns, the guns. Guns, the guns. Let me just throw in a little fact that uh, nobody wants. In the anti-Second Amendment, nobody wants to hear me say, do you know more people were murdered last year with knives than were with guns? Bet you didn't know that. The first shooting in the city of Milwaukee, less than 600,000 people lived there. 
began at 12.30 p.m., several hours before the game on Saturday, when a 24-year-old man was shot, taken to the hospital. 45 minutes later, a 23-year-old man was also shot, later died. Then at 1.30, a 42-year-old man was shot, taken to the hospital. He's going to survive, it looks like. By 4 p.m., a 17-year-old boy was hit by gunfire from a passing car, was taken to a local hospital for his injury. 30 minutes later, Milwaukee police were called to another shooting in which a 30-year-old Milwaukee man was taken to the hospital with life-threatening injuries and was later pronounced dead. Police say the shooting is a result of a fight, but they're continuing to search for an unknown suspect in that one case. A third victim, a 33-year-old man, was killed in a sixth shooting on Friday, 6.40 p.m. as the sun was setting A 24-year-old was also shot at around 7.10, but is expected to survive. But the most bloody shooting occurred in the aftermath of the Bucks game at Pfizer Forum. Witnesses say they first heard gunshots about 9 o'clock, 9 p.m., as the playoff game between the Bucks and the Celtics was in its final minutes. A 29-year-old male, a 16-year-old female, and a 26-year-old male were injured in that shooting and a 19-year-old was taken into custody for the shootings. The shooting set many in a frenzy. You can imagine several fights broke out after the game. By 11 p.m. that night, more shots rang out on Water Street, injuring 17 people between the ages of 15 to 47. They are all expected to survive. Ten people have since been taken into custody for that shooting as police recovered 10 guns from the scene. And that's that's just in Milwaukee. And then go to the Northeast. It gets even worse. A suspected white supremacist is accused of gunning down 10 people, wounding three others in a live stream massacre at a Buffalo, New York supermarket on Saturday. And he's pleaded not guilty to one first-degree murder charge. Peyton Gendron, 18, of Conklin, New York, who was barefoot, masked, wearing a paper smock, told the judge that he understood the charge against him and was not guilty in an arraignment Saturday evening. He's only so far been charged with one count of first-degree murder. Erie County DA John Flynn said the judge ordered a forensic examination and ordered him held without bail. We've taken the necessary steps to get him behind bars. That was justice, he said, getting that first murder charge filed immediately. The district attorney said they're working with federal authorities to bring further terrorism, hate crime, and murder charges against him. He made no other comment, and Gendron's lawyer confirmed he planned to plead not guilty. Conklin has since been pictured in social media profiles. He lived with his dad, Paul, and his mother, Pamela, both of whom are engineers for the New York Transit Department. Neighbors told DailyMail.com that the Gendrons are an unassuming family and that news of Peyton's killings had shocked them to the core. But Gendron's fragile mental health drew the attention of school officials at the Susquehanna Valley High School and the New York State Police after he threatened to shoot one of his schoolmates at graduation. 
A school official reported that this very troubled young man had made statements that indicated he wanted to do a shooting, either at a graduation ceremony or sometime after. Hours earlier, Gendron was caught by police emerging from the Topps Friendly Supermarket about 2.30 p.m. after shooting 13 people, 10 died. Police said 11 of those shot were black, the other two were white, and suggested Gendron had walked through the supermarket looking for specific people to target, although didn't say whether this was based on the color of their skin. Aaron Salter Jr., a former Buffalo police, is the first victim that's been named in the attack. The father of three, he's being held as a hero after exchanging gunfire with Gendron inside the market. Gendron apparently scrawled the N-word on his rifle before carrying out Saturday's massacre. Three gunshot victims are being treated. Cops say 11 of those shot were black. Gendron live-streamed the assault as he opened fire inside the supermarket at about 2.30. Police described the incident as a heavily armed attack. He exited his vehicle. He was very heavily armed. He had tactical gear. He had a tactical helmet on. He had a camera that he was live streaming what he was doing. It's just unconscionable. This this kind of stuff is happening, but it is happening around us. And he's got history, as we mentioned. Had previously made a threat at his high school. His prior threat after that had a hospital stay. He made threatening comments that brought police to his high school last spring, but he was never charged with a crime, had no further contact with law enforcement after his release from a hospital. The revelation of this raised questions about whether his encounter with police in the mental health system was yet another missed opportunity to put a potential mass shooter under closer law enforcement scrutiny, get him some help, or making sure he didn't have access to deadly firearms. It's not the guns, folks. It's not the guns. Guns don't kill people. Guns don't pull their own triggers. People do all of that. And then, to bring it all to a head, Taiwanese churchgoers tackled and hogtied a gunman at an Orange County, California church yesterday. Had a short shooting rampage. Killed one person, injured five others. Deputies got a call about a shooting at Geneva Presbyterian Church at 1.26 p.m. One deceased victim, four critically wounded victims, and another with minor injuries were found. All the victims or adults have been sent to three area hospitals. Police say they detained an Asian male suspect in his 60s very quickly at the scene and recovered two handguns that were believed to have been used in the shooting. About 35 to 40 people watched the shooting at the church or being interviewed. The shooting occurred as the Taiwanese group was having lunch after their Sunday morning church service. So... A group of the parishioners, they took him down. 
They hogtied him with an extension cord and they took his guns. If people had not intervened, it would have been worse, said Orange County Sheriff's Department undersheriff Jeff Halleck. The motive? Don't even know yet. It's unclear if he was part of the congregation. Churches are intended to be safe sanctuaries from hate and violence, said the DA. That serenity was shattered by a gunman who unleashed unspeakable violence in a house of worship. Gavin Newsom, governor of California, his office, they tweeted this, We are actively monitoring the shooting at a church in Laguna Woods and working closely with local law enforcement. No one should have to fear going to their place of worship. Our thoughts are with the victims, community, and all those impacted by this tragic event. And it wasn't a shooting, but there's other stuff that happened. Four brazen thieves used a sledgehammer to break into a Manhattan jewelry store made off with over $100,000 in goods, and they did it in broad daylight. Nikon Alston, age 21, Alfred Long, 35, Alexander Wilson, 21. They're all from the Bronx. They were arrested for smashing the front window of Golden Square Jewelry Store in Yonkers about 5.30 last Thursday. Alston and Long were charged with felony robbery, grand larceny, and burglary and were arraigned on Friday. Wilson was hospitalized following a vehicle crash and will be charged in the near future. They grabbed some surveillance cameras, and footage shows two of them hitting the window with sledgehammers several times. Two others come into frame. They made a small hole, shoving their hands inside to create bigger ones as they pull loads of jewelry and gold out. You can look at that video online. The other two join in by ripping off broken glasses and stealing the expensive items off the display before they run off in a dark SUV. A store employee can be seen running out onto the sidewalk, grabbing one of the discarded sledgehammers and running after the group. The SUV can be seen weaving through traffic and appears to hit a parked car during the escape. The worker runs after them before giving up. Yep, we live in the United States of America. We're the freest and safest country on the planet. And we've got these hardcore leftist politicians up there, people like George Soros, who now for five years has been spending his money going around the nation finding any opening for district attorneys that are elected. And what's he doing that for? He hates police. He hates law enforcement. He loves authoritarian rule. And he knows because of his history coming from Europe, Eastern Europe. He knows what authoritarian power can do. And he liked it. You know why? As he grew up, he was not part of the authoritarian regime in the country of his birth. But he wanted to be one of those powerful people in politics. So he's got dual citizenship, does George Soros. Has a big mansion out on Long Island. And he's a multi-billionaire. He's gone around the country finding far-left Democrat people that are anti 
law enforcement themselves and has orchestrated assisting in their campaigns and giving them hundreds of thousands of dollars in campaign money. And they've been elected all around the nation. You've heard about this nut job in Los Angeles. He's one of Soros's, I don't even know what to term these people. The one that was just elected in New York, in Manhattan, same one. We have one right here in Shreveport, Louisiana, two years ago. An African-American guy who I know personally. He is a really good person. George Soros wrote a big check to somebody running for district attorney in Shreveport, Louisiana. The crazy one, the crazy one, the nut job, the attorney, state attorney in Missouri. She's one of his people. So when people begin to attack law enforcement, this was all initiated Remember Black Lives Matter when they first got started? That little town up there in the Midwest, remember? African-American guy is accosted by a cop in a car. African-American guy gets shot and died. Black Lives Matter begin their political march into infamy right there. Since then a steady slide down across the nation of people supporting law enforcement. The numbers of people that are anti-law enforcement, anti-cop, are skyrocketing. And everybody wonders, why were those people shot at an NBA game in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, of all places? What about those people in Buffalo, New York? Buffalo's not a a city where this kind of stuff happens. All those people died. We've got a white supremacist up there. And the only, and then of course, California, Orange County, hotbed of anti-cop folks. All of these are illustrating the dumbing down across the nation of the belief and the trust in law enforcement. And bad people are seeing it. They're seeing opportunities to weaponize that fact. They were all going to sleep, right? We're not all asleep. And we're not all going to sit idly by and let this continue to happen. You know what we're going to have to do? Law-abiding citizens, we're going to have to stand up and not just be law-abiding citizens. We're going to have to be vocal law-abiding citizens and start doing things regarding law-breaking and stop just talking about things we need to do. We got to do this. We got to do that. We just have to do it. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. Duncan is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Duncan with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Duncan. 
Sip into the fall season with the new Pumpkin Cream Cold Brew or Pumpkin Spice Signature Latte. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a... Swing! <sighs> Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. New Dunkin' Refreshers. Vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry dragon fruit and peach passion fruit. B vitamins and energy from green tea. All under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for a contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. You're standing against the tide of creeping insanity. One truth at a time. TNN. The Truth News Network. And yeah, we're living in a world where... I mean, it's never been more appropriate than ever than it is now. When you think something's true, it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. If you think something's right, it doesn't necessarily mean it's right. And even if the cops let it happen or the law enforcement people like these far-left DAs, they decide to go light on lawbreakers. They can do that, you know. It doesn't matter how good the laws are locally at the state level and the federal level when those in the executive branches in those towns, cities, and states and nation tell law enforcement, ah, we're going light. It began at the federal level. Barack Obama in his first term told Eric Holder, his first attorney general, stop enforcing federal gun, not I'm sorry, not gun laws, drug possession laws. Just stop it. Don't enforce them. Don't arrest them. If any of the agents, the federal agents and the federal attorneys around the nation, if they arrest people and charge them, just drop the charges. Don't prosecute them. The laws were there. The laws were there. But when the cops and with the political pundits at the top that have power, when they decide, nah, we're not going to go down this road. We're just going to give everybody a free pass. What do you do? I mean, remember when you were a kid, I had my wife, my wife, my mother was one of the strictest mothers and any, any of my friends in our neighborhood. I mean, if my mom said, do this, we did it. If she said, don't do this, we didn't dare do it. And if we ever did, you can bet the wrath of Alma Newman came down on our heads and she never missed it. She didn't. It was her consistency that gave me a great respect for the rules. 
and those who make the rules and those who enforce the rules. Whether I agreed with them or not is immaterial. Whoever has the power to make rules, they have the power and they can do whatever. We're seeing that happen under this president. We saw it happen under his first partner at the top. That was President Barack Obama. Biden sat there at the feet of Obama and he kind of liked what he was sawing, what he was seeing. And he kind of wanted to be part of that at the top. He was always kind of the, the support guy in the Obama administration. And Joe wanted to be the boss. And now he's the boss. And so he can do what Barack did on a low scale. Joe wants to do it across the nation. And you know what? When he looks around and sees all these people that are being shot, people dying, businesses being broken into, hundreds of thousands of dollars of merchandise being stolen in broad daylight, breaking and entering, scaring people to death, people shooting other people in a church service. He took an oath to enforce the laws of the nation. He is the number one law enforcement guy in the United States government. He does nothing. And because he does nothing, people look around and they see, hey, the government's not going to enforce these laws. It just emboldens them. They can do whatever they want to do and get away with it. How long are we going to go and just let this president and those in his administration just run roughshod over the law. How much, how, how much longer are we going to let it go? Let me tell you what's happening. Our friends in Australia, they're looking over here and seeing our lawlessness, and they're shaking their heads. And over the weekend, Sky News, they had a decision. They made a prediction of what just might be on the horizon for our president, Joe Biden. U.S. President Joe Biden's legal team is preparing to defend against the possibility of impeachment if Republicans gain a majority in Congress after midterm elections. Let's go to Joe Syracuse. And now he is the political analyst and professor at Curtin University. Joe, good morning to you. So why do you expect this to happen? Good morning, Pete. Oh, well, because um, all the analysts in America, pundits, uh, are uh, picking a, um, a landslide at the midterm elections in November. Mm. They see the Republicans taking both the House and the Senate, which will give them uh, oversight investigation and subpoenas, uh, subpoena ability. And, uh, and of course, um, uh, President Biden knows they're coming for him and they're going after him, the kid. They're going to go after his performance. On well, they're, they're going to go after uh, incompetence, particularly they're going to start with um, the departure from Kabul and Afghanistan, and they're going to go to the southern border, and they're going to look at his breaches or things that he said he, he, he did during the pandemic, including uh, extending the, uh, the moratorium on, uh, on evictions and that kind of thing. And uh, so, and, and they're going to go after um, his, his kid, of course who's probably got all kinds of things that he wants to keep away from people. And they're going to make it very clear that uh, it's payback time. Uh, 
Uh, the only thing, Pete, uh, that might save uh, the president is uh, the fact that uh, they, they like uh, Kamala Harris less than, yeah. than he does. So, you know, that that's his only protection. But there's no, no doubt about it that uh, peaching the president has now uh, become the new blood sport in America. And I think uh, Biden knows it's coming. He hired a very expensive fellow. He's going to be called special counsel. And his only job is to keep uh, President Biden out of jail. Yeah, I mean, like you said there, uh, now a buzzword. It used to be rare as hen's teeth, but I guess Donald Trump's impeachment um, has, has, has changed the game here. And now it'll, it'll just be a, a regular thing. Yes, it will. As soon as you get about 2,000, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 218 votes in the House of Representatives, you can uh, uh, order um, uh, impeachment yeah. on anybody. Regardless that you of want. whether they're successful or not. Right. And, and Pete, they might even go back after Hillary Clinton, since you could do these things after they've left office now. So there's all kinds of things. I think the other thing, too, is that's going to make uh, uh, th this very attractive to the Republicans. By by November, I believe that um, the um, Ukraine war will have lost its novelty. People will stop going over there, et cetera. We're going to be into an artillery uh, stalemate over there. And I think uh, Americans are going to want to hold someone accountable for uh, inflation and, of course, now with the baby formula and all the rest of it, I think they're going to come very close to home. Senator Rand from Kentucky, who's uh, usually the Lone Ranger in this kind of thing, says, you know, you can't bankroll um, uh, Ukraine and keep it safe while you doom the American economy to bankruptcy. You know, when you start giving $40 billion in aid, military aid to someone, you're emptying, you're emptying, you're emptying uh, uh, America's coffers and and its ability to fight for itself. So I think there'll be some kind of adjustment there. But there's no doubt about it. Um, President Biden knows what's coming for him. And, you know, he may be a little tired and sleepy sometimes, but he was smart enough to hire a first-class lawyer to represent him. Okay. Well, you're usually ahead of the game, Joe, no doubt about that. So uh, I think there's going to be a little more of this in this space. We'll talk to you about it soon. One thing that this president has access to and has unlimited access to it is a big, big, deep, deep war chest. Joe Biden has found a way to become a mega millionaire. When he was senator, he wasn't. And when he was vice president, he wasn't until Obama's second term. Coming out of that second term, and Joe's second term as vice president, all of a sudden, financial doors just began to open, and he became mega rich. They have five homes, personally. Five homes. I mean, how does anybody justify that unless you're just filthy rich? And by the way, how does somebody that makes $170,000 a year as a United States senator how does that person buy five homes? Where does that money come from? Something that'll just blow your mind, it did mine, when I found out that the U.S. taxpayers are paying millions of dollars, millions of dollars for Secret Service to stay with this president anytime he goes to any one of those five residences. And so what does that mean? We have to stay we have to pay for where they stay and the places where they have to make safe all kinds of communication stuff, equipment. Five different locations we're paying that for. And mostly 
He just goes to Delaware for the weekend, pretty much every weekend. Yeah, isn't it great to be an American? It really is. It's just horrible to have to pay for that. We opened the show today talking about changes that Biden is in the process of making. He's going to do it, that Title IX stuff. And if you missed the first part of the show, you missed that. But you can catch it in a written article on the homepage of truthnewsnet.org. So check it out today. And kind of a P.S. to that, did you know that three Wisconsin boys today are facing sexual harassment charges from their middle school? Uh Uh-oh, what those boys do? They're accused of using incorrect gender pronouns speaking to a fellow student. I received a phone call from the principal over at the elementary school forewarning me, letting me know that I was going to be receiving an email with sexual harassment allegations against my son. This is Rosemary Rabideau, a parent of one of the accused, said. I immediately went into shock. I'm thinking sexual harassment? That's rape. That's inappropriate touching. That's incest. Rabideau continued, what has my son done? But none of the concerns Rabideau had are at issue. Instead, her 13-year-old boy, Braden, has been accused of incorrect pronouns to address another student at Keel Middle School. The investigating principal said he's being allegedly charged with sexual harassment for not using proper pronouns. Mom said, I thought it wasn't real. I thought this has got to be a gag, a joke. One has nothing to do with the other. But now her son and two other boys are being charged by school officials with Title IX violations, which prohibits gender-based harassment. This incident in question reportedly took place in March when a student announced a preference of they and them to identify them. But Rabideau said her son was merely sticking up for one of his friends. She had been screaming at one of Braden's friends to use proper pronouns, calling him profanity, and this friend is very soft-spoken, kind of just sunk down into his chair. Braden finally came up defending him, saying he doesn't have to use proper pronouns. It's his constitutional right to not use. You can't make him say things. The mom told one local news reporter that the new pronoun preference also caused confusion for her son, with her instructing him to just address the student by their name instead. It's plural. It doesn't make sense to him. I said so. I told him to call them by their names. Now the parents are calling on the charges to be dismissed through an attorney with the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. It's not sexual harassment under Title IX, under their own policy, under federal law, and it's probably a First Amendment violation. Almost certainly, if that's their theory, that solely used the wrong pronoun, that would then be a First Amendment violation. This is Luke Berg, the attorney representing the boys. The school's district superintendent said they do not comment on student matters. The school district prohibits all forms of bullying and harassment in accordance with all laws, including Title IX. We'll continue to support all students regardless. Nah, 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 nah. On and on and on and on. This is exactly what the opening story 
that we led with today, this is what is about to happen at every public school in the nation. Every public school. With the left in power and a leftist government and people that are totally open. It's okay to just ignore federal laws. We don't have to enforce the laws. Oh, look what happened. We're the United States of America. We're open to everybody from everywhere. There's no need to close our borders. We can let these millions of people come in here and kill our children, murder us, bring in far more enough fentanyl and other illegal drugs to kill every human being in the United States for the next four generations. We don't have to worry about that. It's going to work out. It's all going to work out in the end. I don't know what planet they came from or what planet they live on, but none of this is logical. There is no logic to even explain it. Listen, let me just, I'm, I'm, before I go to another break, I want to do this. I don't want to offend anybody. But I'm just going to tell you how I personally feel. If you are gay or you identify as being gay, if you're transgender or maybe not transgender, you just self-identify as the other biological sex opposite of what you are, I don't have a problem with you doing that. I don't. You have every right to do that. But constitutionally, I have every right to live my life the way that I see fit and the way that our Constitution structured it for every American 260 years ago. I have that right. I also have the right of the First Amendment, which gives me the right of free speech and free expression. Now, just because you have those same rights, that doesn't make it okay. It may be legal, but it doesn't make it okay for you to rub all of that stuff in my face all day, every day. And oh, by the way, if and when you do so, I'm going to respond. I'm going to do it peaceably. I'm not going to get physical. I'm not going to. I may be emotionally upset, just as you are when you rub your stuff in my face. But I have the exact same rights as do you. You believe in same-sex marriage? Go for it. Don't rub it in my face and don't rub in my face that I think marriage is legally, scripturally, biblically an institution that includes one man and one woman. I believe that. I'm not going to scream at you if you don't agree with me. And I just appreciate it if you would do the same thing for me. Don't rub your situation, any of this in my face. Just go live your life and we'll be fine. If we can't go back to that as a nation, there are lots of places in world history that we can go back and look. What happens there? 
look what these things did in those countries and in those societies. Look at what happened to old Rome that controlled the world. What happened to the old Roman Empire? Do you know? It started with stuff just like this, where leadership decided to change the norms, change the laws, whatever laws had been made legally, change them, forget about them, manipulate them, ignore them, take and seize more power from the people and become top-down government sycophants that controlled everything. And that can't last. The people in any society, any nation, cannot tolerate that for an undetermined period of time. They are going to revolt. It is not part of biological, psychological, emotional human life to live totally being obliterated verbally and in every other way by powerful people that are powerful people, not because the people in that country, that society put them there. It's because they seized it. They took power and they're determining and using it as they want to, not as they should. I don't want to live in that nation, wherever and whatever it is. I don't want to go there. I kind of like the freedom and justice and liberty for all that I live in here now. I really do. I kind of like it. And I want it to hang around for a while. And I'm going to do everything I can, everything I can, to make sure it happens in my world, in my family, in my home, in my town, in my city. And hopefully, you'll do the same thing. Don't infringe on others' rights. Don't infringe upon mine. But just be reasonable and realistic. You're fighting back the tidal wave of deceit, lies, spin, and ignorance with TNN. Truth News Network. The following is an important time insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right, the clock is not ticking. What? Crawl or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now or later, because these Staples everyday price cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts like a two pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These everyday price cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing, everyday price cuts. Thank you. So it's this beautiful summer day, and while most guys would say let's go to the beach, Donnie says... Hey, let's go to Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. They're having a warehouse sale. I say, are you serious? He says... Your place needs furniture, and at this sale you can get beautiful stuff and save 50, 60, even 80%. So we go to the Pilgrim Warehouse sale. I buy a sofa, a love seat, and this really cute dinette set. But the big thing is, we pick it out together, Donnie and me. Maybe this relationship is going somewhere. The Warehouse Sale at Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. That guy, Donnie. <laughs> He's a pushover. I'm joking, I'm joking. Hey, whatever my wife wants to do, I'm all in. She'll tell you, 47 years, I kind of got that figured out. If I want to make it, if I want to live, I got to I gotta give up. <laughs> I have to give in. Now, 
Once early in our marriage, in fact, it happened two or three times when I would really get ugly or mean or refuse to do some things that she wanted me to do. She would look at me with that look in her eye and say, you got to sleep sometime. (laughs) I don't know about you, but that sure got my attention. She didn't have to say it too many more times. I got it and I still do. Hey, that's just the way we are. We're wired differently and we need to respect that. All of us need to. Well, have you heard about what's going on today? The federal trial of Sussman, the lawyer that was Hillary Clinton's campaign uh, attorney. He is in deep doo-doo in federal issues where federal attorney John Durham has been investigating and still is the sources of the fake Russia collusion story during the Donald Trump presidency. That trial starts today. It's happening right now as we speak, opening arguments and stuff. What is going to happen? We're going to keep you posted on this trial so that you don't miss all of it every day, but we're not going to give you all the gory details. But what can we expect to see from this trial, just so you can kind of get a place to start thinking? Well, welcome back. We are back with former Congressman Devin Nunes and Cash Patel, who was the lead investigator for the Russiagate probe. Cash, let me turn now to this trial tomorrow of Michael Sussman. Give us your expectations and how you believe uh, John Durham is conducting this investigation. Hey, Maria, great to be with you. And look, as a former national security prosecutor, I think John Durham is doing the most methodical prosecution I've seen in recent history. And like we did when Devin and I ran the Russiagate hoax, the best way to convict a target of an investigation, especially of a crime, is with their own documentation. It's to follow the money. John Durham followed the money and connected the Clinton campaign with the lawyers, with the Fusion GPS and the FBI. But what he's also done, just revealed last week that he's going to put on display, are the notes from the FBI themselves. And I want to pause here. These notes were subpoenaed by Chairman Nunes, and they were withheld from us during our investigation. But John Durham found them. And what did the notes say? Andy McCabe and Peter Strzok knew, not after the Russiagate investigation began, but before it began, that it was full of lies and corruption that was paid for by the DNC and Hillary campaign. And I think John Durham's going to put that on blast for the entire world to see. And I think Michael Sussman's going to get convicted at the epicenter of this entire hoax. Wow. And what about other convictions, Cash? Who else are we going to hear from? Yeah. So, look, I think you know that Denchenko, the source is indicted. Um, FBI has already been convicted in this uh, conspiracy. But here's the shocking news that most of the world isn't following in John Durham's pleadings. He has laid out a joint venture conspiracy. Those aren't my words. Those are legal words we use as prosecutors that John Durham's placed in his pleadings. And he's outlined the likes of Fusion GPS, the tech uh, executive Jaffe. He has said to a federal judge in open court, that man is still a target of ongoing investigations, as are others in Clinton world that I believe include Jake Sullivan, the current national security advisor, Podesta, Mook, Mark Elias. Look, what he has done is what Devin was championing from the beginning, leading an investigation based on the truth and only the truth and the facts. And he has put the Clinton campaign and the FBI cabal together in Andy McCabe's office with their own notes to go and lie to an American public, a federal court and surveil a president unlawfully. And then Andy McCabe is quoted in the notes saying, I want this Russiagate investigation to endure a year after it started to perpetuate the lie and the criminality of their conduct.
Unbelievable. And we have a shot of that tweet that Hillary Clinton put out on Jake Sullivan's memo uh, trying to connect Donald Trump to to uh, the uh, that Alpha Bank uh, and, and Russia uh, dealings. Uh, Devin, jump in here. I remember week after week having you on this program throughout 2017, 2018 and 2019. And you would say, look, we're asking for this document. They're sitting on it. They're slow walking it. Right. And, and, and we, we covered it every week. And we still, and what we find out today that Cash just pointed out, these are documents that they clearly hid from Congress. So, you know, right there, you know, what we know today from Durham, if I was still there, we would have more criminal referrals to Durham based on lying and misleading Congress. But let's just take a step back. Why does this matter to the American people, right? This is, we're four or five years after the fact that this all started. Well, this is a dark chapter of, of American history for sure. But, but here, it's a slippery slope, right? In 1516, you have a, a, the Clinton campaign, DNC, they concoct this, working with DOJ, FBI, the Obama administration, but the media gives them a pass on it and they were involved in it because they said, well, it's just Donald Trump and you know, he should never be elected president, so let's just go after him, right? And we knew that at the time, we had circumstantial evidence, they were trying to hide the Hillary Clinton you know, servers that were destroyed and the emails. It was all part of a, a game. And then you, lead, you go forward, Donald Trump's elected, and then they continue to spy on him. They waste $40 million on a phony Mueller investigation. Uh, as, as Cash and I and, and the Republicans in Congress led this effort with really hardly anyone in the news media, you know, Maria, you were one of the few that actually gave us time to actually get the facts out. Well, now where are we today? You had a Congress who Democrats did nothing. The media continued to cover up. Judges continued to cover this up. And what does this result in? It results in what you see today, which is now you have leaks from the Supreme Court of the United States. You have protests at the Supreme Court justices' homes. So it starts as dirty political tricks five years later, ends up with, with really ju just the deterioration over time of every institution in this country. So what Durham wow. has to do here, it, there's a big lo load that's on his shoulders that he's carrying because these institutions have to be cleaned up and Durham is the only guy in position to actually get that done. Cash, do you think the jury is going to hear the facts? I mean, I'm told that the jury may be sentimental to, uh, to Michael Sussman because it's in D.C. Cash. Yeah, but here's the, here's the thing, as I said earlier, the documents don't lie. The jury can hear what they want, but they're going to see the FBI's own words, Michael Sussman's own tweets and text messages, and that stuff doesn't lie. We're on a quest for the truth, and that's why I wrote the book, The Plot Against the King, and I hope your audience checks it out. It's a fun story about super mega king Donald Trump, King Knight Devin, and myself, and it's a great read for children and American kids. Uh, they, they should be entitled to the truth just as much as adults. I'm so glad you wrote a children's book about this. Cash, congratulations. Gentlemen, thanks very much. We've got more to talk about. We hope you'll come back soon. Devin Nunes, Cash Patel joining us ahead of the first of what will be several trials uh, on the Russia collusion lie. We're going to hear hardly anything on this Sussman trial. So it's an everyday kind of thing. It'll be, it'll be going on, I'm going to say two weeks or so, maybe even longer than that. But the mainstream media, oh no, they're not going to talk about it. They don't want to get into it. I want to do something right now. And, um, if you've been around me for very long, you may have heard me talk about this before, but what we have referenced today so far in this show, 
Remember, we started with Title IX. We started with uh, Barack Obama and uh, Joe Biden when he was vice president, them dumbing down the enforcement of federal drug laws, having their attorney general stop prosecuting federal drug possession charges. And of course, that's a huge conflict because all 50 states had laws prohibiting drug possession and had felony charges for doing so. And then the president of the United States tells his attorney general, don't prosecute them by federal law. Just let the states handle it. That was the beginning of this. And guess what's happened? The American people didn't respond. That We let that be normalized. And then it was this, and then it was that, and then it was this. And so what we're watching now, what you just heard a little bit of, when that was going on in the run-up to the 2016 election and then afterwards for two and a half years, when that was going on because the far left with their spokes operations, the mainstream media, every day, all day, every day, all kinds of evidence, facts, Donald Trump colluded with the Russians. The Russians beat Hillary Clinton by propping up Donald Trump just for years and $40, $50 million taxpayer dollars spent. What happened? The American people have accepted the dumbing down of factual information. Let me give you an example. We all went to school. We all got report cards. We all got grades. And yeah, it varied a little bit from state to state and city to city, but everybody pretty well knew. I mean, when I grew up, and you grew up, most of us, we got an A, a B, a C, a D, or F. And we know what each of those stood for. It was a measure of where we were in learning the things that we were being taught in school. And that came along with responsibilities that were given, like writing papers, like studying for tests, paying attention in class, turning in reports, all those rolled in together is how we determined where we were in the process of learning our education. So then what began to happen? I remember back in the 60s and 70s, I mean, we were neck and neck worldwide in the gauging of the education system in this country compared to other countries. And kids in Japan were the ones that were closest to fighting with the United States, but we were pretty well known as having, if not the best, one of the best education programs and systems on earth. We're not even in the top 50 anymore. Why is that? Here's what happens. When we get into school and we have that conversation and we have the grading system, we all know, we just referenced that, we know what they all determine. C is average. A is perfect, or at least far better than average. B is kind of in the middle there. And of course, you get below a C. Oh my gosh, you get a D or an F failure. But let me ask you this. Did you ever make a an F on your report card? I never did. Matter of fact, I had straight A's and I'm not bragging, but but I was scared to death not to do as good as could possibly be done in school. Not everybody then looked at it that way and certainly not everybody now 
looks at it that way. In fact, probably very few students in the nation do. Your target, if you're average, is to come home with a bunch of C's. Yeah, mom and dad, though, you can do better than that, son. Girl, you can do better than that. Daughter, you gotta, you just got to bow up and get it done. Do whatever extra is necessary. If you don't understand something, go talk to your teacher. Talk to your professor. But you got to do better than that. If you want to go here for college, if you want to go get a job here, you're in college and you get a degree, you've got to have better grades than that. If you had a C average, did you ever make that just by making all C's? No, you didn't. How do you make a C at the end of the six weeks or the quarter? What if your final grade is a C? How'd you get there? You had an A, and that was offset by an F, or you had a B that was offset with a D, and when it averages out, you get a C. So what are you talking about, Dan? Well, go from where you and I were in the scenario I just mentioned. Go to where we are today. In our schools, we don't have that kind of philosophy. What we have is everybody gets a trophy. We get a participation trophy. Yeah, I understand you're about to graduate from high school and you're a really bad reader and you can't do any math, but that's because of your environment. And so, pat, pat, pat on the back. It's okay. You're going to be okay. We'll just help you get out of school, and then you can just go face life head on. So what happens? What we have done, we have taught at least two, maybe three generations that failure's okay. That not doing the best that you possibly can is okay. Just don't do it all the time. But if you do it half the time, you're going to get a C. And so what we've done is dumbed down three generations of American youngsters. And so now the C level, the average level, has been pulled down. What went into making a C in the 1960s and 70s that would be, oh my gosh, that would be straight A's now. Because we've made it okay to not be good. We've made it okay to fail. We've made it okay to consciously just put education and requirements and responsibilities, put them on the back burner. Fly by the seat of your pants. It's all going to work out. And so average has slipped lower and lower and lower. And it's accepted. That's what's happened here in America. And there are people by the dozens that were very vocal leaders in education, public education, private education, in government, in church, that began to, back in the 60s and 70s, we've got to hold a standard. We've got to hold it up there. We cannot accept less than what is expected And if somebody does that occasionally, we get it. It's okay. But to make that normal, we can't do that. It's okay to fail now by 1970s standards. It's okay. You're going to get through it. You've got teachers 
that will help you. You may not make straight A's. You may not get that college education. Oh, by the way, if you're a good athlete, you're in. Do you know if, if, uh, if you're a, a good high school athlete, let's just say football as an example. Of course, if you're good enough, you're going to go to a college. And if you go to a college, you'll hardly ever go to class. You're going to be in, in uh, tutelage all the time. You're going to be working on football. They'll have private teachers to help you get through each necessary class. They'll lobby your professors for you. But guess what's going to happen? You don't have to wait till you get a shot at the pros. If you look like you're going to get a shot at the pros, you can make money right now. Do you know that the former quarterback, the quarterback at Alabama last year, the previous year he was a freshman there, he didn't take a snap in a football game his freshman year. Before he started the season last year, he already had $2 million for sponsorships, which is now legal. Hadn't had a snap in college whatsoever. All of this, it all rolls in to what is okay with us. What's okay with your kids now? Do you just simply benignly accept anything and everything that they do as being okay just because Ah, you're out there. This is the world. Do what you can. Do the best you can. It's going to be okay. Are we pushing them? Are we teaching them how to excel? Are we expecting them to excel, but making situations where we understand if it doesn't all work out, we're going to work on making it better next time. That's the way we need to think. But instead, if they come in with a bad grade two or three six weeks periods or quarters in a row we just say well maybe that's the way he or she is and we just let it slide average average is never supposed to be acceptable unless that's the best that we can do and in most cases it's not In most cases, it's not. It's what we do because that's what we're allowed to do and get away with. Not beating anybody up, but when you look around at the landscape of what we're talking about today, what's on our table, we're going to take our final break here in a second. When we come back, we're going to get into what's going on in the baby food world. And you have not heard the facts. I know that'll surprise you. But it's worse than the media are making it. Oh my gosh. You having a great Monday? (laughs) I hope you are. Thanks for sharing it with us. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word From Your Wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, 
you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey Ed Itchy in Idaho, yes, the Culligan high efficiency water softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels in a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. When this song came out, oh, my mom heard me listening to it, and she went nuts. Oh, my gosh, that's radical. Those long-haired musicians, you don't need to be watching that. That was American band. Hey, what about this baby formula shortage thing? And what about the way our president is handling it? Have you heard about it? Have you watched it? You don't have kids anymore, young kids that are on formula and stuff. We don't at least. And to be quite honest with you, I worked through that with all three of our kids. Marianne nursed our kids for a little bit, but they all were on baby formula. We used Similac for all three of our kids. No, I'm sorry. We, we I, I'm wrong. We did the opposite. It was Infamil back then. And I don't think they had different versions, you know, for kids with different kinds of issues like they do now. But nevertheless, it was a big deal, and it's a big deal now. But it's going to get worse. It's far worse than we have been told. The head of one of the four companies that control 90% of the U.S. market for baby formula, this guy has warned that the shortage nationwide is going to last at least until the end of the year. As President Biden's critics mocked his claim that only a mind reader could have predicted the current crisis. This guy, CEO of formula giant Perigo, Murray Kessler, told routers that he expects shortage and heightened demand to last for the balance of the year. He said their factories in Ohio and Vermont are running at about 115% capacity, and they're doing that to compensate for Chicago-based Abbott shutdown, but added that supplies would are going to remain erratic for the remainder of this year. We've stepped up and are killing ourselves to do everything we can, Kessler said. At the request of the Federal Drug Administration, Perigo is focusing on four items, the store brand versions of Similac Pro Sensitive and Pro Advance, and Infamil Gentle Ease and Infant. The company added that it is making other formulas as well. It also has a smaller business making some national formula brands, including Bobby. So the closure of Abbott's infant formula plant in Sturgis, Michigan, it's really exacerbated national pandemic-related shortages, leading to empty shelves in big box stores and supermarkets and panicked parents. Abbott's brands include Similac. 
Perigo is working with retailers, including Walmart and Target, so they get something each week. Retailers' allocations are based on an average of what retailers receive prior to the crisis. Let me just blow your mind one one more time. Abbott, which is the biggest baby formula production company, Abbott is in Sturgis, Michigan. We found out over the weekend the CEO of Abbott reached out to somebody pretty important in our government in July last year, July last year, and warned the administration that there was going to be a baby formula shortage, that the government needed to step in, the FDA needed to step in and work with these manufacturers to work through the issues that had already begun to happen, but were creeping up and were going to get worse in the fall, the winter, and this spring. This guy went to the White House. He's a Democrat. And guess what he was told? By the president, Joe Biden. Let us know what you need, buddy. We'll work with you to work through it. And he never heard another word from this administration. And Joe Biden... He is acting like, oh my gosh, nobody told us. Nobody told us anything about this. We had no way of knowing. They needed to help us. We'll help anybody that comes to us with a problem, especially one of this scale. Yeah, kind of like the shortages, the transportation problems, kind of like all those things that all of a sudden, you know, we didn't have any of this when Trump was in the White House. I wonder why. What's the difference? It's called planning and it's called leading. It's calling about being somebody who is analytical, that is not living their lives just to be in politics. A guy that had to make a payroll every week for 40 years of his life. And he knew what it was to have people that were employed and that had all kinds of different issues that came with different problems, different talents, but you pull it all together and you work with all those circumstances and you create an entity where things just flow pretty smoothly. And when they stop flowing pretty smoothly, what do you do? You don't start pointing fingers at others. You take responsibility for the bad, just like you do for the good. And you find ways to fix it. And then you fix it. And if you can't fix it yourself, you find the people that can. You empower them with whatever resources and assets they need to do their jobs. And you open the door, say, here you go. You don't micromanage them. You don't tell them how to do what they do best that you don't know how. One of the greatest tools and understandings of management for me came years ago. When I realized That being a good manager doesn't mean you know everything about everything. You don't have to. And if you don't, that doesn't make you a bad person or an inept manager. But what you have to do is whatever you don't know, the expertise that is necessary that you don't have. You go find somebody that has it. And you interview them and you talk to them. You paint the picture of your company and what we are doing, where we want to go, and what we're lacking in that particular area. And then let them explain to you what they could do if they come into your company. You bring them in 
and you let them do what they do. You give them credit when they succeed. You hold them accountable when they don't. That's management. This guy in the White House has no clue about anything that I just said. It's Greek to him. And nobody up there has the chutzpah that will walk into his office. Ron Klain would be the only one that could do it because Klain basically, I think he goes to the bathroom when Joe Biden goes to the bathroom. He's the chief of staff. You never hear or see anything from him, but he is, he's the Wizard of Oz that's pulling the strings in the room behind the platform, just like the Wizard of Oz did. And it's not working. It's not working. The White House, it's announced, they are expecting some real serious problems coming up for Uncle Joe. Big problems for Joe Biden. What could that possibly be? Well, it may not surprise you when I tell you that it has to do with Hunter Biden. Well, White House staff are worried that Kevin Morris's friendship with Hunter Biden could create more problems for the Democrats. The New York Times is reporting the Hollywood entertainment lawyer who paid off $2 million worth of tax debt for the president's son could soon create more bad buzz for Joe Biden as the midterms near closer. It was reported earlier in the week Kevin Morris had paid $2 million in tax debt and was funding Hunter's lavish lifestyle. It was also revealed Mr Morris is set to make a documentary about Hunter's drug-fueled life. Kevin Morris is the founder and managing partner of the Yawn Levine Barnes Kritzman Entertainment Law Firm and according to the New York Post, Hunter's friends refer to Morris as his sugar brother. The lawyer will fund the documentary as Hunter faces a federal grand jury probe into his overseas business deals. The New York Times, however, is reporting the White House wants the president's son to stay out of the spotlight and resolve the investigation without going to trial. The Post has even pictured Kevin Morris in the past leaving an exhibit with Hunter and his wife Melissa after some of the president's son's artworks were displayed, some of which Morris reportedly owns. But it seems the Biden administration will struggle to stop Hunter from making headlines as he has continuously remained in them for the last few months. The Washington Post published an article that reported Hunter Biden received millions of dollars from a Chinese energy company despite having no qualifications for the role. Over the course of 14 months from 2017, Chinese company CEFC paid $4.8 million to entities controlled by Hunter Biden and his uncle James. Hunter was on the receiving end of a $1 million legal retainer for the representation of a CEFC official named Patrick Ho. Mr Ho would subsequently go on to be charged by the US government in connection to a scheme to bribe leaders from Chad in Uganda. Evidence has also revealed that Hunter Biden was given a 2.8 carat diamond from a Chinese energy tycoon. US President Joe Biden has denied any knowledge of his son's business deals and has also denied his son made money in China, a claim that documents have disproved. In court filings made in February 2017, Hunter and his estranged wife had outstanding debts, including maxed out credit cards, double mortgages and a significant tax debt. During the divorce hearing, Kathleen Biden said her then-husband spent thousands of dollars to fuel his drug and alcohol addictions. His tax dealings are also the subject of the extensive investigation by the Department of Justice, along with his business dealings in China. He was a board member of the Ukrainian company Burisma Holdings from 2014 to 2019, despite having no experience in the oil and gas industry. 
Hunter's laptop has also been making headlines after the New York Times a few months ago verified emails found on it. Mere weeks before the 2020 election, the New York Post published an article about a laptop discarded at a computer repair shop in Wilmington, Delaware. On this laptop were emails that seemed to confirm the president's son was the recipient of gifts from foreign interests, including Ukraine and China. The story was a significant development in the lead-up to the election, but it was censored by big tech companies. Last month, the whistleblower of the laptop, Jack Maxey, told the Daily Mail he has 450 gigabytes of deleted material he plans to make public. This includes 80,000 images and videos and more than 120,000 archived emails that could be incredibly incriminating for the Biden administration before the midterms. I've seen a few of those photographs and I promise you, (laughs) you don't want to see it. You can't put the picture back in the bottle when you see it. It's some bad stuff. So this is really mounting up against Joe Biden. Why haven't you heard anything about it? Well, you know the obvious answer. This media, this mainstream media, they're his bosses. They tell him and report on anything and everything they want the American public to see and hear and know about or think about this president. They would never cover this. Do you remember how long it took for them to be dragged into the possibility that the Russia collusion story about Donald Trump colluding with Vladimir Putin and Russia to win the 2016 election? When did they quit crowing about that? Quite honestly, some of them haven't. In fact, his opponent in the general election in 2016 is still ranting and raving about Putin, Putin, And Donald Trump. This is crazy. What scares me is that far too many Americans have signed on to that, are believing that. And it's because they don't dig in and find the facts of everything. They just turn on, when they watch the news, it may be CNN, it may be NBC, it may be ABS or CBS when they read a newspaper. I mean, come on now. The New York Times has been around for a long time. I'm a subscriber to the New York Times. I'm a subscriber to the Washington Post. It's certainly not because I want to subscribe to them, but we got to find the stuff that they're putting out there, which they do every day that is opposite in many cases of the facts, or they just shade the information, leaving out some of the hard-pointed facts that are negative to Joe Biden and others of his ilk. And they kind of just paraphrase, but they make them look as good as they possibly can. So somebody out there that's been out there for a number of years, had a long career at Fox News. He got crossways with the guys upstairs at Fox News, maybe credibly, maybe not, had to do with some sexual wrongdoing happening in the company that he was included in. But anyway, he left, and he started his own network. He's He's got a – I'm talking about Bill O'Reilly. He's got a great blog. His, uh, his website is good. He does a live show like this. But he weighed in over the weekend about – he found some new information about Hunter. And I thought this was kind of interesting. On his laptop. There is an email written by his personal assistant, who is no longer with him, 
a woman named Katie Dodge, D-O-D-G-E. The email says, quote, I spoke with Hunter today regarding his bills. It is my understanding that Hunt's dad will cover these bills in the short term as Hunter transitions in his career, unquote. That email was sent to a woman named Linda Shapiro, who is an accountant in Leesburg, Virginia. It was CC'd, the email was CC'd, okay, to Hunter Biden and a man named Richard Ruffner, who was a personal aide to Vice President Joe Biden. That's all fact. No debate on it. That's a fact. Now, gets a little bit murkier. We don't know how much money Joe Biden paid to cover Hunter Biden's bills. What we do know is that Hunter Biden owed $412,000 in taxes. Okay? Pretty, pretty big number. And his total bills, credit cards, all the other stuff, $819,000. Wow. So Hunter Biden owed almost a million dollars. How much did Joe pay? We don't know. Okay? Now, when that email was sent, Joe Biden was out of office. He was not a part of the federal government any longer. You should note that. Then there are the meetings when Joe Biden was vice president. So we know about them now. He was VP from 2009 to 2015. Okay, that's only six years. So, um, oh, we only have logs for that. Okay. Between the years 2009-2015, there are logs of visits to the White House by Hunter Biden Associates. Okay? So, there were 19 visits. 19 visits, at least while Joe Biden was vice president, by Hunter Biden Business Associates. Now, they didn't all meet with the vice president, or I don't think any of them met with Barack Obama, okay? But they were inside the White House, and this is according to the White House logs. Now, why would the vice president's son's business associates go to the White House? Why? Got to be business, right? Got to be. Not talking Washington Capitol hockey, Washington National Baseball. Got to be business, right? So that is what we know about Hunter and Joe Biden right now. As you know, there is a grand jury looking into Hunter Biden's business dealings. And with all that debt, I'm betting he's indicted. He's indicted. All hell breaks loose. Now, that's just another little spin on the Biden family syndicate. If it's not the president, it's his brother James. If it's not his brother James, it's his son. Hunter's got his nose 
he is all the way up to his nose underwater. And of course, with Hunter, when you talk about his nose, he would prefer that to be uh, cocaine, crack cocaine, or whatever else he can smoke or snort up his nose. And I'm not putting the man down. He has some serious issues. But it looks like his father has facilitated some of it, maybe a lot of it. And I'm sure it has to do with all that they've been through together. Remember this, Hunter Biden's older sister died with his mother in a car wreck. Joe Biden was driving many, many years ago. And the sister was killed at the same time mom was. Jill is not Hunter's mother. His older brother, Bo, who has also passed away, he died of cancer several years ago. A very close family that's been through a lot of personal issues on many fronts. But sadly, what has happened to the Biden family syndicate is Joe got some political power. 30-plus years in the U.S. Senate, very responsible leadership roles there, a very public perception, and then eight years in the White House as vice president to Barack Obama. And he learned one of the tricks of the trade. You become a politician at the national level, all kinds of good financial opportunities automatically come your way. They fall in your lap. All you have to do is go wink, wink, and say yes, and you're in. And I guess Joe's been doing a lot of the wink, wink, and he's had to do a bunch, apparently, to protect his boy, Hunter. Did you hear about this? And we're close to finishing up here, but did you hear what happened in New York City over the weekend? Mayor Eric Adams engaged in some pretty extreme pandering to the pro-abortion side of the aisle on Saturday while he was attending a pro-choice rally. And in a related social media message, he described abortion as health care and a human right that radical extremists are trying to prohibit. Adams allegedly indicated at the Bands Off Our Bodies rally that he favors abortion with no limits up to the day of birth. Quote, I think women should have the right to choose with their bodies. Men should not have that right to choose how a woman should treat their body. He's a Democrat. He, moreover, seems to be very interested in positioning himself as a woke celebrity. He declared on Twitter that we, which he described as a majority, will fight like hell to retain abortion rights. According to a recent editorial in the New York Post, though, the fact is that most Americans are neither completely pro-life nor totally pro-choice, but are a mix of both. Mayor Adams and Governor Kathy Hochul of New York have both said they favor making COVID-19 vaccinations mandatory for all public school children. Now, that's out of the New York Times last week. Earlier this year, Adams, who apparently is an advocate of my body, my choice philosophy, fired about 1,400 unvaccinated city workers. What about that my body, my choice, Mr. Mayor? Was that just a political talking point? Does that only refer to abortion? Who, by the way, abortion, all of this craziness and insanity about the Supreme Court opinion draft opinion that was released a couple of weeks ago, if it follows through the Supreme Court with what that draft opinion made it look like they're going to do, which is determined publicly, 
and formally make Roe v. Wade unconstitutional, which it is, by the way, it will not outlaw abortion. You and all of the other leaders in this nation that keep screaming that every day. You're going to make abortion illegal. You're going to have women hiding, finding back alleyways to have abortions. You're going to kill women. That's not true. Abortion before Roe v. Wade was managed state by state, and if the Supreme Court takes it out of federal law, which it should be out, there's not a word abortion anywhere in the Constitution. It will just go back to the states, and if you want that abortion, you'll be able to get that abortion. And unless your state makes it illegal, the government won't be able to stop you. So you'll have unfettered power to kill that baby. That's a wrap on the show today. I want to thank you for being a part of it. Have a great Monday. We'll see you tomorrow morning and we'll do it again all over at 9 a.m. The Facts. Nothing But with Dan Newman and you. Monday through Friday. TNN, the Truth News Network.